You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. I'll be sharing some bite-sized brain science, thought-provoking questions, and mind-bending ideas about how our brains work, change, learn, and adapt, and how we can use the knowledge emerging from the field of neuroscience to open up new possibilities and make the progress we want in all areas of our lives. Hey there, tell me, did you dislike maths as a kid? More importantly, if you did, is it impacting your potential now? In this episode, I'm talking to Kohila Sivas, founder of Maths Codes, who shares with us how she went from being not good at maths to having a profound and life-changing perspective shift in her teens, which has informed her entire worldview. Today, she shares with us this very personal journey and tells us how the meaning she found in maths can be applied to many of life's challenges. Kohila, it's so good to have you in, and I am absolutely delighted that we have finally managed to get together to have this really important chat. Now, we met, for anyone who doesn't know, we met because um, we both work uh, on some levels with parents who are doing some, they're, they're taking their kids' education into their own hands. And we met at a summit that Kohila had organised a couple of years ago, I guess now. I'm not sure how long ago it was. But our chats have been amazing since then. And I really wanted to talk to you today about something that is, um, I guess, less about the kids and more about the grown-ups today. Because I know from talking to people that, uh, you know, one of the things that tends to hold them up as they toy with this idea of starting a business, of getting out there, of doing things themselves, is that they are scared of maths. Is that something that you come across? Yes, I have. Yes, plenty of people have it because as we um, go through our education system, math is a subject that you always have fear of because you probably haven't done well. Or even if you have done, there was a struggle in the beginning, right? So mm. therefore, you grow up with this um, internal conflict with math. Math is if nobody says I like math. Very rarely anyone says, I love math. But that's what I've been doing with a lot of students is changing, shifting that mindset about math. Is it really math or is it the way we think about math? Or is it the mm. way it is being taught oh, in the classroom? Yes. Yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? Because, um, you know, we do take in so much when we're younger, when we're going through these school years. And I suppose we form these these habits, these thoughts, this uh, this kind of, like you say, mindset about what's actually going on. And in act, we start to predict that it's not going to be a, a pleasant thing, don't we? Yes. Um, so how, how do you help people to get away from that? Is there anything can be done? It's the internal dialogue, right? Like, you know, as you grow up in a classroom, you know, I struggled with math. I learned to appreciate it because it was something that helped me to see that there's a way to do this in a simplified way. So that is what I teach my students and I educate parents on it, is that sometimes it's the way it's being taught or without relevance to real life, it holds us back because why are we learning this? Where am I going to use this, right? So if you put in the relevance to it, as well as uh, make it simplified, not make it complicated, the way we deliver math, it's not correct in our system, education system, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just what you're saying there, it's, it's 
It really is down to, and here I go again with my favourite word, neuroplasticity, isn't it? It's There are certain things that promote that, that help us to actually learn. And what you're talking there about personal relevance, that is so, so important. <laughs> I actually remember my son when he was much younger, before he could read, he was able to find things. He was able to effectively research things on YouTube for example, without knowing the words, without knowing any of these things, because he was so intent on getting to that information. And I guess it's the same with a lot of other things. You know, when it becomes relevant, then, yeah, we're more motivated to go after that information and to, to find a way or a workaround if we can't find the normal way. So when when we've got people who are I suppose putting together business plans, this might be the first time in a while or, or doing their accounts. I guess that's another time that people um, are going to be faced with all these numbers again. What sort of advice would you give them if they are in the blind panic stage? Well, they're not in school, <laughs> <laughs> right? You, you're not doing it for a school assignment or a homework, right? This is your passion project because we are all entrepreneurs. You do this for not just to make money, because there's a lot of ways you can make money. There's a passion behind what you do, right? So I think stepping away from that memory of doing math as something I needed to do mm-hmm. without relevance, now you have a relevance. I think going back to that why, right? Everybody talks about why am I doing this? And that can take away that inner chatter that goes on. I wasn't good at math. How am I going to figure this out? How am I going to make this work? You know, those fears, if you can just tap into when they do show up, they are going Mm -hmm. to show up because we were trained. If you, you know, continuously failed in math, sort of it shows up when you're starting a business and you're ready to launch. Mm -hmm. And that shows up in, in, you know, sort of a fear inside of you. And if you can notice it, acknowledge it and where it's coming from, rather than saying that, you know, Um, I'm not good at math. I was never good at math. How am I going to run this business? But no, just say that I was never good at it. But this is a new time in my life. Yeah, I I suppose that that is one of the interesting things as well, isn't it? That, um, you know, we have this uh, environment in in school. Well, a lot of us have had in the past anyway, um, where making mistakes is not seen really as that's that's seen as something to be avoided at all costs. And of course, as we're learning, we do make mistakes. It's part of the process, isn't it? And I, I suppose that is a really easy turn off then for people, because you're effectively in a, a place where you feel like if you make a mistake, you're punished. You are you feel bad about your yourself and your self-esteem and all of these things go down the drain. And that really doesn't help you to sit with a problem. There was actually a situation recently. I was sitting with um, a friend of mine who's one of the smartest people I know. You know, this woman has, you know, multiple degrees. And she was sitting with something that was, I guess, a new form for her. She didn't, she'd never had to go through a problem solving uh, time like this. And I'm not sure she even realized that I was still there. She was so engrossed in what she was doing. Um, But she was also talking to herself as she was doing it. And I thought it was absolutely fascinating because what she was doing was she was sitting there going, I can figure this out. I can figure this out. 
I can figure this out. And that was her inner chatter. She was telling herself that she could figure it out. And I think that's part of the the reprogramming almost that we have to do, isn't it? To break it down and to sit with ourselves, give ourselves grace and patience to do these things. Yes, I work with many students who have that inner chatter, who have been failing for so many years. And because math is not a forgiving subject, right? You either get it right or wrong. I mean, it's in your face. There's no <laughs> forgiveness, right? And But I take it that as the way to train our students, you know? Here is a subject that is so not forgiving, and you know you're going to get it wrong or right. How about we work with it that when we do get it wrong, let's not focus on the answer so much, but how did we get the wrong answer? Let's go back to the process. Mm. How did you come from this place to this place? And a lot of students these days don't write any steps. You know, when we went to school, steps were a big deal, right? If we didn't write steps and we wrote answers, the teacher would give us wrong. Even though yeah. the answer is right, they're like, show me the steps. What yeah. process did you take to get yeah. here? You know, or did you copy the neighbor's paper? <laughs> because you never know, right? So yeah. right nowadays, that steps are not being focused on and celebrated by teachers. They're just looking for this, you know, circle, the multiple choice or the bubble sheets or whatever, right? And it, it actually gives them this idea that I don't have to, I don't think in steps. We do mm. think in steps. Our brains mm. are wired to things and go from one step to another step. It's a logical process. But yeah. we're telling our kids just jump from this over here to the answer. And that, I think, it's what's creating this false impression that we need to be so fast as to getting the answers, even as we grow up. Yeah. Like, it's like somehow we need to jump from this spot to this spot, but there is no in-between steps. There are. There are many steps. There's baby steps, right? Especially Absolutely, as an yeah. entrepreneur. It's it's like everybody thinks we're in this race. I mean, that's that's one of the things I always say, you know, you're entered into this race at the age of five or so, and you, you're not entirely sure what the race is for or why you're running it. But that, yes, again, you know, I, I guess the world has come on so much in terms of, you know, the things that we all have accessible to us. Everybody's got a calculator on them pretty much all the time these days. And, you know, for a lot of us, in terms of speed and efficiency, we're not going to sit down and work things out. We are going to use a calculator. And I suppose in a way that can either help or hinder as well in terms of how we approach maths. What do you think about that? Yes, because you need to know what to put in the calculator. Like my <laughs> students course. will pick up the calculator. I'm like, what are you going to put in? They don't know. Like, because you got two numbers. Have you decided? Are you going to multiply or add? You've got to tell the calculator what to do. It's coming from your own brain. It's not, it doesn't have a brain. It does what you tell it to, right? So yeah. yes, for speed, we can use it. But the thinking, the process of why do I need to multiply these two numbers, that comes from your internal thoughts and, and you have to make meaning of it, right? So mm. that's what I stopped them from running. Just put the calculator down. Let's talk about this question. You talked about earlier about talking. Like one of the techniques I use with all my students is to say, talk to your brain. By talking to your brain, you kind of cut down all the other negative things your brain's going to start thinking, right? So you have this actual conversation. What am I looking for? What is this question asking? Have I done this before? Have I seen this question before? And, you know, bring in your past experience about the question and what information am I given here and how am I going to use this information to answer what they're asking me? Mm. So all of this conversation is going to trigger your brain to thoughts thinking about it rather than saying, I can't do this, I'm so dumb, 
it's not going to work, you know, all of yeah. the other chatter that comes with it, right? Yeah. So. And I suppose, you know, you, you talked about maths being unforgiving there a little while ago. And I think this is one of the things as well, you know, we have a tendency to have very black and white, all or nothing thinking about it. Um, and I, again, you know, like you talked about the steps there and getting things right and then maybe coming back to the point where it went wrong and going again from there rather than just, you know, scrunching up the ball of paper and throwing it in the bin. And in a way, that is actually a process that we can repurpose when we are starting businesses, when we are trying to launch campaigns or uh, develop products. You know, we're not going to just throw everything in the bin. We have learned something from the process that we have come through up to the point where the experiment didn't work out for us so much and we have to start again there. Yes, yes. Math actually teaches so many skills. Like it's if it's if we get away from what grade are you getting or did you get this question right or wrong, if we just let go of that and think mm. of that as a byproduct of mm. doing that process, even like drills, right? Some people are against doing math drills and learning times table these days, right? It's like, it's a no-no. But your brain is like a processor. Like if you don't put the raw materials, like if you don't download these uh, facts, mm -hmm. you can't always look for a calculator every time you see two times two, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's going to slow you down. Because it's yeah. something you need to do something else bigger later in the grades, right? Like you need that prerequisite. So a lot of people think we're just memorizing it without no meaning yeah you have to understand what times table is but then then you do need to make your processor faster by storing those information so your brain's not always going for two times to a calculator mm. it, it doesn't work at that point if you're in grade 12 you still have to look for two times two now we have a problem because your working memory is working on two times two when it needs to work on sine law or cosine law which is much complicated concept yeah. So this is the difference between knowing times table and not knowing times table. It holds the student back and we don't know it until it gets to that level. And grade 12, who's going to have time to memorize times table? There isn't. But at, in grade two, you had a lot of time. It mm -hmm. would have been fun for you to memorize something like that. And our brains are like sponges, right? At a grade two level, grade one level, the child will memorize it without even thinking about it. <laughs> it just goes into their brain. It'll store so this recalling of, you know, read these facts, they're important for later yeah. grades, right? But we don't, we're saying nowadays, a lot of people are against it. It speeds up our brain power. Well, I suppose one of the things that I've seen, and again, this is, you know, just working with different kind of forms of education and learning and so on is, um, again, this idea that it has to be rote learning is not strictly true for things like timetables either, because I've seen kids learning timetables with things like weaving, mm -hmm. or rhyming songs, things like that. And, you know, it, again, because play is one of these things that helps us learn so effectively. These they, they just seem to absorb that knowledge. Like you say, it is very sponge like at that age. But, you know, making it relevant, making it playful. These are also things that really, really help. And we remember them. Yeah. so easily because we remember the activity we yeah. did with it right and that stays with us for long relevancy is important in math i think when you take that away and then just learn times table there's mm -hmm. no point and mm -hmm. you have to every stage of the way if we can tell our students and you know young kids like why are you learning this because they're so curious right mm -hmm. their mind is so want to know why 
and we don't explain that in math. Mm. And that's how, as an adult, we don't know what to do with some of the knowledge we learned in math because we think of it as, oh, why did I learn that ever? Yeah. When am I going to use it, right? So as an entrepreneur, the biggest thing, I think, for all of us is to treat um, the, the process of doing something, right? There are steps involved. There is going to be failures and setbacks, as you know, right? It's, it's never going to be a clear path. Mm-hmm. And you are going to change completely different path. And that's you know, the math education, I think, could come in handy if you get that proper education and look at math as a process of solving and staying with the problem, mm-hmm. sitting with the problem and thinking about different ways of how can I solve this? Yeah. What information do I have? What support I have? What uh, resources do I have to solve? Exactly. And I think that that's one of, that's the key to it as well at this stage, you know, as adults, we have different resources, we have different choices, and we have different agency, really. You know, we can actually stop and realize, okay, you know what, I probably didn't get the best level of teaching in this. Maybe you were lucky and you did get some amazing teacher to talk you through maths, but um, I think quite a few of us did not, and we had a bad learning experience, which does not make us bad at maths. It, it means that we have, you know, some some thinking about it that is currently not helpful, um, but that we can certainly change, and that's something that we can now, um, yeah, we we can we can change that at any stage, can't we? We can we can go and find the new ways of learning. We can go and find things that make it helpful. Yeah, rewiring your brain is so possible. Like I have students who are literally given up on math and fail and call themselves, I will never do math or I, I hate math, right? Those kind of languages. It's just reframing those frame, words, right? Like, is it really math that you hate or is it how you got taught you hate? Mm. Which one is it? <laughs> right? Because math normally doesn't do anything to anybody. It's just a subject and it's an international language that we yeah. all commonly use right? It's yeah. not math that did something to you. It's, it's probably the environment you learned it in or yeah. how you got that information and who gave you that information and yeah. did they give it to you right? For me, I struggled with math when I was young. I didn't get it, like, you know, and um, after, you know, some, some uh, personal stuff happening to me at the age of 13, you know, um, I decided to, like, it was like I was going through a dark time in my life and I decided to end my life at that point. My and I, I went to the hospital because of, I tried to end it in my life and they survived me there. After coming back is to the world, I got a second chance in life, basically. Yeah, that's why I'm here. And during that time, I was like 13, you know, in that age range. And I was very confused individual because of what happened with my dad and everything that was going on with my life. Um, it changed my perspective right after you know, mm-hmm. about life and why, like, and also started thinking deeply, why am I back here? There's a, mm-hmm. something going on here, right? So that that profound shift in me and then, you know, I, I always, my, my math teacher always had these quotes that would hang around the wall of the classroom. I would always read them before, but right after that incident in my life, I read this quote by Albert Einstein, which read that, it's not that I'm so smart, I just stay with problems longer. Yeah. You know, so at that time, those words meant really deep for me because yeah. 
since then I never stayed. That's why I decided to even end my life because that's what I saw as the quick solution mm -hmm. to the problems I was having. So since then, I, from that day on, I started spending more time and even mm -hmm. with math. Mm -hmm. That's how I started learning math. And math, like the, to this day, I believe it was a therapy for me. Th yeah. That was the therapy for me. I used it as a therapy. I started solving and everything outside of math class, I couldn't solve. But every when I sat with math problems, I, I got an answer back. And those answers kept me, giving me that confidence that, you know, there's life can be okay if I just spend time with it. And that's how I started walking and growing up taller and taller and taller. And that's why I do what I do in my life is that math does have this um, unique characteristic where if you sit with it, you always get an answer, but that answer doesn't come right away. You got to work at it, right? So that taught me that everything in life is solvable, but we just have to sit with it to figure things out. And I, I had some setback as an entrepreneur for the last five years, and that's what keeps me going. It's like you can figure things out. Kohila, right? that is just the most amazing metaphor. And I was not expecting you to share anything like that with us today. So I'm really, really grateful because I think that is such a powerful perspective on why and how we can and should love, you know, patiently solving things for each, for ourselves. Uh, yeah, that, that is just, that is very, very beautiful. Thank you so much. Yes. And math has a therapeutical, like that's what I want to prove in science. And, you know, I, I'm going to be working with the neurologist on this is to see the effect of when you sit with the problem and you solve and how mm -hmm. that takes you away from all the other chatters you have, because the mm -hmm. chatters is what made me do what I did through my life. Right. Mm -hmm. I needed to change my stories and I changed my stories by getting involved with math. And mm -hmm. other people change their stories by getting involved with other things that are may not be good for them. You know, mm -hmm. I could have done any any range of stuff, right? But why math that got me is where I'm here. But some people go to drugs, alcohol, different parts, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a power to math. And I, I want to prove that as a therapeutical side to it. Because wow. of that power, yeah. Yeah, that is 100% amazing. And... Again, thank you so much. I could not really have asked for a, a more amazing conversation to have. Um, again, with all of these conversations, we're not entirely sure where we'll go, but this has been a very beautiful outcome. Thank you so much, Kohila. No problem. Thank you. As an entrepreneur right now, anyone sitting with problems, it's going to come at us. I mean, it's never going to stop. There's not a day you're going to be like, okay, I got this. Even if you feel it one minute, the next minute you're like, oops, it's going wrong. So sitting with that problem, with that, you know, warrior-like attitude, let me let me see what I can do now, right? Yeah. It's the only way to be an entrepreneur. And, and then world is changing as we speak since 2020. So there's, you know, you have to learn to be with that uncertainty, right? Oh, so much. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's not just in entrepreneurship. It's in absolutely every aspect of our lives. Uncertainty, being able to sit with it, having patience and grace with ourselves, knowing that, you know, um, the, uh, do you know what I, <laughs> going slightly off track here again, but this is, this is one of the things that I notice is that we have, um, we have a sort of a 
tendency to think that we should be able to do everything really quickly. You know, we see we watch these really lovely arts and crafts programs on television where, you know, everything gets done super fast and they always have one ready and all the materials are there. But that's just not the way it is in life, is it? We absolutely need to have that patience and understanding that, you know, it won't always come out magically and happily ever after first time around. No. And sitting with your problem does give you more insight into the better things you can do. Sometimes we, you know, if we like the speed, right, it's kind of it got two parts to it. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not good because probably you haven't well thought about that process you're trying to get into. And I have done that in my entrepreneurship as well doing something really fast I thought was the best way to do it but then mm-hmm. later you know after you know six months into it you realize that was kind of the you know I should have thought it out really properly here, right? yeah so making that uh, going back to math I think one of the skills even if you haven't done well with math is taking any of these as a process of steps breaking those steps down and sitting with those steps and asking why is this step necessary to do what I'm trying to do, right? Because that's something that I think in math, people could teach the students a lot more right now. That's what I do in my practices, teach teach the students, don't just do it. Mm-hmm. Stop and ask why. Like, don't just take my formula. Ask me why do I have to use this? Like, if you don't ask why, you're just kind of blindly following me. What's the point? And if you do get an answer, also ask, is this answer right? Yeah. Because some people will give me answers that makes no sense. Like, you know, they're talking about something in the positive and they'll get a negative answer and then they don't even question it's negative. So it's that questioning. It's also another skill we need to teach our students to question things. Don't just take it if, because somebody told you or something is being said to you, right? Oh, that yeah. questioning mentality, yes. Absolutely. Life skills from the math book, 100%. Yes, yes. Kayla, we have... We have definitely come to the end of our time slot here. So um, again, thank you so much. I am incredibly grateful to you for sharing all of that with us. And um, yeah, it's a, it's given me a newfound respect for maths. Thank you. I'll say one thing for your listeners at the end here is that even if you haven't been good at math, I have I didn't start off being good at math. Just think of anything in life as spending that time. You don't have to be smart. I still hold that quote by Albert Einstein to my heart. You don't have to be smart. You just need the time to figure things out and everything is solvable. Words to live by. Thanks, Kohila. Hey, before you go, I want to take a moment to say thanks for tuning into this episode of the Ambition Incubator podcast. And just check to make sure you know that you can join me each week for a deep dive, dynamic, collaborative reading of some business classics. You'll find all the information you need when you register for free at ambitionincubator.com forward slash BBC. I'll see you there.